Welcome to Lasting Truth, a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel, Sweet Hills in Banning, California, where Pastor Ryan Hussein teaches the entire Word of God, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, giving our listeners the opportunity of receiving the full counsel of God. In today's program, we're studying the book of Acts, chapter 17, and Pastor Ryan is joining us live this afternoon with a message for our listeners about some upcoming events. Hey guys, this is Pastor Ryan Hussein with Calvary Chapel Sweet Hills in Banning. I just wanted to invite you out to our Good Friday service on April 2nd at 7 p.m. and to our Easter service on Sunday, April 4th at 10 a.m. Join us as we celebrate the death and resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I sure look forward to seeing you there. God bless and take care. And so after these things... Paul departed from Athens and went to Corinth. And so, right here, right away, Paul is on the move again. After these things, uh, who knows what the, the things were that Luke is talking about, perhaps after him preaching in Athens or whatever. We don't know necessarily the time frame. But Paul the Apostle leaves Athens and he goes to Corinth, which is about 50 miles in distance And Athens and Corinth are two very different cities, guys. Corinth was a major city of commerce. There's a lot of ships going through there, a couple of big seaports there. There's a narrow isthmus, isthmus, which is like a, a little narrow canal where people can cut from the Aegean Sea going west towards Italy right through there rather than going around the bottom of the horn of Greece and so it was a place of commerce and it was the headquarters of the Roman Empire for the province of Achaia. Achaia is Greece just think of Achaia as Greece and of course the world was Roman at that time the Roman Empire ruled so of all of Greece Macedonia all of that that we've been studying all that's in the New Testament all the epistles and stuff all these towns Corinth was the main headquarters for the Roman Empire. So it's the, it's the city of, of power, if you will, there. Athens was known, as you know, for its culture, for its, its learning, where Corinth was known for its immorality. Corinth was notorious, guys, for immorality. What kind of immorality? All kinds. But sexual immorality, mostly. It was a center of the worship of Aphrodite, and she was the goddess of love, of beauty, pleasure, and fertility. Basically, it was a religion that allowed you or promoted living a life of sexual pleasure. The cult worship of Aphrodite was uh, sensuous. The men would have relations with the temple prostitutes. The Greeks used a term meaning to act like a Corinthian as a synonym for sexual immorality. So since 500 BC, there was some phrase, some word that says you're acting like a Corinthian, meaning you're sexually immoral. So that's the background to to this city in which Paul is going to. We get an insight into Paul's psyche as he goes into Corinth. 
And the interesting thing in, in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, but if you think about the world at that time, it was immoral. Amen? It was immoral. Like, you don't have to be a historian to know that within the Roman Empire, there was immorality. But like at the top of that, Corinth was another level. So he's going into like the Las Vegas, makes Las Vegas look like Disneyland. But it was like that at, in the ancient world. That's where Paul's going to. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 3, Paul would write to the Corinthian church, I was with you in weakness, in fear, and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching was not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. So Paul the Apostle admitted to the church that when he came to them, it was in weakness. When he came to them, it was in fear. When he came to, to them, he was in much trembling. Oh, but doesn't God say that, uh, doesn't the word say that he has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind? Absolutely. But the Christian walk is about growing and learning how to overcome fears, how to overcome trembling, how to overcome weaknesses. He would write, right, in, in our weaknesses, his strength is perfected. These are attributes that we have within us because of the Holy Spirit in us. But we, they, in order for them to come out, we have to spend time with the Lord and actually go through times of weakness, actually go through times of, of fear and, and trembling so that we can depend on the Lord. And so we read in this very chapter that we're studying that the Lord himself would comfort Paul and tell him, Paul, don't be afraid. Keep speaking. Do not keep silent. Wow. So Paul would be told by God, don't be afraid. Don't keep silent. Keep talking. Keep talking what? The gospel, the morals of God. Keep preaching them. Don't be afraid. Paul was apprehensive. Paul was fearful. And you can imagine having the responsibility of being the sole Christian going into the most immoral town City, not town, city, to preach Jesus Christ. Are you down? Will you do that? You're the only one. Go, go to Vegas. Walk into the synagogue. Preach Jesus. Preach to the Gentiles in the street that they need to repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Would you do that? Would I do that? Paul was called to do that. And I believe God is still saying to us, don't be afraid. But speak. Keep speaking. God's truth to people. Do not be afraid to preach to immoral people the truths of God's power, God's love, God's morals. We'll never experience the strength of God unless we do so. Don't fear standing up for righteousness before your family, your friends, or others. In Romans 1.16, Paul would write, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. As Christians, are we ashamed of the gospel? 
Now, the gospel message is about the cross and Jesus dying for our sins. And on the third day, raising from the, being raised from the dead and is at the right hand of the Father. But the cross speaks of our sins nailed to him. But Jesus said in order for our sins to be nailed on the cross, we have to repent. When we study Jesus Christ in Nazareth, his very first messages were repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. So they tried to throw him off a cliff in Nazareth. His hometown tried to throw Jesus off of a cliff because he told them to repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. And here the Lord's telling Paul, keep speaking. Don't be afraid. Keep talking. They need to hear it. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians, please, chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. This is just a little snack, a little taste of the things that Paul would say to the believers in Corinth, to the people in Corinth. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9, he said, Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you, but you were washed, but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of God. All things are lawful for me, but all things are not helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any foods for the stomach and the stomach for foods, but God will destroy both it and them. Now the body is not for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. And God both raised up the Lord and will also raise us up by his power. Do you know that your bodies are the members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a harlot? Keep, keep in mind the temple prostitutes in Corinth at the, Af at the temple of Aphrodite. Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a harlot? Certainly not. Or do you not know that he who is joined to a harlot is one body with her? For the two, he says, shall become one flesh. But he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. Flee sexual immorality. Every sin that a man does is outside the body, but he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? For you were bought at a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your sight, which are God's. That's the kind of stuff he comes up with. The Lord through Paul would preach to Corinth. I mean, that, those are biblical morals. Those are not Paul's, they didn't come from Paul's morals. They didn't come from my morals or your morals. That's the Holy Spirit God. That's Jesus Christ and the Father speaking through Paul. This is what they need in Corinth. It's such an immoral place. Show them how to live righteously. And to live righteously is to avoid sexual immorality and all these other things that he listed here. There's other things, but he listed these things. 
And so you can imagine Paul's apprehension that, man, they're going to kill me in this city. And that's why Paul, God said, don't be afraid. Keep speaking. Don't be afraid. God even tells them, don't worry, Paul. I got a lot of people with me in Corinth. How about that? Like Paul needed to hear, there's others who got your back who believe what you're saying. That's what Paul needed. Because you hear this? Are these things relevant today? Should we keep speaking or should we be afraid? I was reading this morning in my devotion out of uh, Luke chapter 14. Can you turn there with me? Let me show you something in Luke. Luke chapter 14, beginning in verse 25. Verse 25. Look at what Jesus says, guys. Trip out on what he says here. Now great multitudes went with him. And he turned and said to them, first of all, do you recognize great multitudes went with Jesus, right? Picture, picture the scene. Great multitudes, a gang of people are following the Lord, right? We can picture that, right? Just picture Galilee, picture tons of people following Jesus. And he turns to them and says this, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters yes and his own life also he cannot be my disciple and whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple for which of you intending to build a tower does not sit down first and count the cost whether he has enough to finish lest after he has laid the foundation and is not able to finish all who see it begin to mock him saying this man began to build and was not able to finish or what king going to make war against another king does not sit down first and consider whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000 or else while the other is still a great way off he sends a delegation and asks conditions of peace so likewise whoever of you does not forsake all that he has cannot be my disciple salt is good but if the salt has lost its flavor how shall it be seasoned if it is neither fit for the land nor for the dunghill but men throw it out he who has ears to hear let him hear what is jesus trying to thin out the church there's multitudes just tell them they can live however they want and the church will stay full no we want the church to be purged by the Holy Spirit. We want people to learn the truth about things. When I came to Jesus Christ in 1999, for those of you who don't know, I was a mess. I grew up in a broken home. My father left me at birth. My stepfather that came into my life when I was three was a jerk, abusive. He hated me. I have an older sister. She hated me as well. My mother was disinterested in me. I was a very fearful child, wet the bed till I was in my teens. I was so afraid. I fought him back at 15, and I never wet the bed again. I was afraid. Psychologically, I was all messed up. Started doing drugs, started drinking, joined a gang that was starting up, and started practicing violence, and got really good at it. And for nine years, I was involved in a gang and became one of the leaders of this gang in the San Gabriel Valley that had chapters all over the San Gabriel Valley. I had so much hate in my heart. 
I was into gangster rap. I was into punk music. I was into all kinds of things. But as a young man, I wanted to party. I wanted to live the, the, the life of hooking up. And I knew without anybody ever teaching me this book, because I knew nothing about this book, zero. But how did I know instinctively that it wasn't right to live the hooking up life as a young man? They call it what? Sewing your royal, what a royal, what, what is it? Uh, that's not a, like a Mexican-American saying, that's, so I don't, what is it? Sowing your wild oaks. No, 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 it's called sin. But I, I didn't, I knew instinctively, look, I love what I'm hearing. I loved hearing Raw Reese preach when the first time I heard the gospel, really, you know, the word of God taught. But I was not ready to give up my sin. Even without knowing this book, I had counted the cost and I said, Jesus, I'm a sinner, you're good, but I, I want my sin more than I want you. I counted the cost before I even came to the Lord. So I didn't come to the Lord because I wanted to still party out there and hook up, live the hookup life. But then God broke down that wall of separation and began to speak truth and clarity into my heart and in my mind. And I said, Lord, if you can change me from being a guy who wants to hook up to being a Christian, and then change me. And God is in the business of changing people. So I gave him my life in 99. And by God's grace, I didn't live perfectly, obviously. But I lived a single status life for four years until I met her. And you got to understand how big of a miracle that is. All I, I, I never wanted to be alone. And then I was alone. So what did I do with my lonely feelings? Listen to oldies and get drunk like I used to? I couldn't do that anymore. So now I had to learn to calm myself in the Lord. To pray. To tell him I'm lonely. I feel terrible. Help me. Bring me a wife. Please. And the answer to my prayer was not yet. And it took four years. High school's four years. Maybe I owed him four years for all of my... I think I did. To be honest with you, I think I did. I felt like Jacob, who had to work seven years for his wife. But I learned, I knew it was wrong. Paul would preach to the Corinthians that indeed it is wrong. Teach the church that it's wrong. Jesus said, if you want to come after him, we have to hate. Not that he wants us to hate our family. But when it comes to obedience to God, he, had, he, he wins over family. If he doesn't win, then family is God. Right? You feel me? So I change for myself, which if you become a Christian, you change for yourself. But make sure that your atmosphere is holy, is pure. Jesus hung out and ate with sinners, right? But did they sin while they were with him? No, the sinners were open to what he wanted us to hear. Moms, dads, grandparents, our home belongs to God. He gave that to us. It's our responsibility that if you come into this house, you watch your language. If you come into this house... You're going to live pure. If you're going to stay under this roof, there ain't no plain house, youngsters. 
There isn't playing house, no footsies, no holding hands. You want to do that? Go get married. Yeah, well, I don't have the money to go get married. Well, you ain't going to live here. Separate. Don't awaken love until the time. It says at various times in the Bible, do not awaken love. Yeah, but in the world, they, they hook up. We go. Yeah, in Monte, we were, we were conditioned. We went to dances in the 7th and 8th grade. We went to dances in elementary school before that. Where they bumped the Beastie Boys. And I'm, we're in elementary against the wall. Saying, you know, who's going to make the first move? What are they doing? They're conditioning us for the club. Parents should have said, what, what are you doing? The Bible says don't awaken love. They should be playing hopscotch and dodgeball. What are you doing? But this is the world. Oh, but why should I tell them? Because back in the day, you know, I was hooking up when I was young. You've, you're a new creation. You've been washed from the old life. Who cares how bad you were? You want them to be bad or did God save you so that you can warn them to not make the same mistakes? Paul, don't be afraid. Keep speaking. I have many people in that city. That's what they need. After these things, Paul departed from Athens and went to Corinth. And he found a certain Jew named Aquila, born in Pontus. Pontus was near the Black Sea, Northeast Asia Minor up there, modern day Turkey, south of Russia. Pontus, that's where Aquila came from. Who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla because Claudius had commanded all the Jews to depart from Rome. So Claudius Caesar, he reigned from 41 to 54 BC, and he kicked all the Jews out of Italy. Can you imagine that? Anti-Semitism has been around, guys, forever. What is the world's beef with the Jews? Could it be that the Messiah would come from their line? Could it be that 144 of virgin Jewish men will be preaching during the Great Tribulation? Could it be that Israel one day will have their eyes open, the Bible tells us? Could it tell us that he will bring his people back to their land, which he did? I mean, guys, anti-Semitism, when you read about the Holocaust, when you, all of those, there's a reason why the devil hates the Jewish people. And Jesus would say to the Gentile church, hey, don't be haters. Don't be saying there's no more promises for Israel. Read the book of Romans and it'll tell you all about that. But Claudius Caesar, he, he, made, he expelled all the Jews out of Italy. And so Paul would meet Aquila and Priscilla. And it says here that he came to them. So because he was of the same trade, he stayed with them and worked. For by occasion, they were tent makers. And he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and persuaded both Jews and Greeks. And so Paul hooked up with them. We're not sure that he hooked up with them because they were believers. It doesn't say they were believers. They were Jewish. But it's interesting how it was their, their work. The, they were tent makers. All of them. Paul was and so were they by trade. So in his work, God used that as a divine appointment to hook them up together. And they would become solid pillars in the church. And um, it's interesting how the Lord will use our occupations to minister to us and to others. I am amazed. You ever see that in your work? Nah, I hate my job, Pastor. I don't see God working at all. Well, seek the Lord. 
Say, thank you, Lord, that I have this job, even though I don't like it. Help me to like it and speak to me through it. Help me to grow as a believer in this whatever I'm doing because God can use it. I was a security guard for four years all over the place, ended up in Orange County, got saved, and then got a job with Caltrans as a dispatch clerk. So I went from watching guard, observing and reporting, daily activity reports, DARs for all you security guards out there, but it kept me out of trouble, helped me to start think about my mortality, my life, just because guards usually just sit around and do nothing, but sit, and all that time, but I, but I would sit there and think, my life is insane. I can't believe I do the, you know, the life I was living. Thank you for joining us today at Lasting Truth Radio. If you're in the area, come out and join us for Sunday services at 10 a.m. or Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. We are located at 3035 West Nicolette Street in Banning. You can also find us on YouTube or Instagram. If you would like to donate to our program, please do so on our website at ccsweethills.org and just hit the online giving tab. We hope you will continue to tune in as we journey through the entire Word of God with the teaching of Pastor Ryan Hussein at Calvary Chapel, Sweet Hills. Chapin.